Welcome to PNF, where we talk about the relationships between the past, what's happening now, and the future. Along with Joseph Gavetnik from the Cowlitz County Historical Museum, I'm Larry Hembury with the Department of Emergency Management. The goal of this podcast is to provide you with a connection between the lessons learned from past experiences and some tools you might find useful for preventing or dealing with future emergencies, disasters, or catastrophic events. Now, a word from our sponsor. Taking care of your mental health is just as important as your physical health. At Columbia Wellness, we offer behavior health care for all ages. From telehealth counseling to inpatient addiction care, we offer the level of support your mind needs. Don't wait to enjoy life again. Give us a call at 360-423-0203. At Columbia Wellness, your wellness is our passion. Welcome back. On today's show, we are going to hear from a variety of guests as we look back 60 years this month to the Columbus Day Storm. First up this morning, we have in the line retired Cowlitz County Sheriff Mark Nelson. Good morning, Mark. Good morning. And thanks for sharing with us today. So when I talked to you earlier, uh, you said you had a memory or memories of the storm. And would you please kind of set that up as uh, to where you were at that time? Uh, were you in a vehicle? Were you at home? And where was that location in the county? Yeah, we lived up almost at the very end of Clark Creek Road. And uh, which is still fairly rural, but uh, back in '62, it was uh, it was quite rural. And we lived in a small house on the Fusioner place, um, and <clears throat> surrounded by trees. So, uh, so uh, it was it was a it was a pretty interesting uh, pretty interesting night coming up for us. So did you have any kind of warning that you remember or, or do you recall any of the, like your parents doing anything special because of the storm coming in? You know, I, I don't really have any real preparation recollection. And of course, you know, um, back in the sixties, the, uh, the weather forecasting was certainly not like it is today. So I think in many regards, this storm, you know, kind of snuck up on uh, on a lot of people in a lot of areas. And I don't, I don't know that anybody expected it to be quite what it was. I know that. Um, uh, I, I think if there had been more awareness, we probably wouldn't have been at home. Um, we'd probably been been someplace else that night, just because of the fact that we lived in a in a kind of a forested area. Okay. So what do you remember about during the storm and maybe after the storm? So when the wind started kicking up pretty good, I remember, um, I remember we were, it was of course pretty exciting. And I remember, um, my dad and my brother, we had a couple of big maple trees out in front of our place. And I remember my dad and, um, and my brother Wayne going out and they were standing on the roots now these these maple trees were probably within fifteen feet of the house, but they were standing on the on the roots of these trees, leaning up against the trees, and and you could actually see them, Dad and and Wayne, kind of moving up and down, you know, as those roots were loosening up. And I think it was about that time that Mom and Dad decided, yeah, this is probably not a good idea for us to stay here. And we piled into the station wagon and dad grabbed his chainsaw um, and put it in the back and we headed down Clark Creek. 
I remember having to stop several times going down Clark Creek Road for dad and other neighbors who were there to uh, to cut trees and limbs and such out of the out of the roadway so we could get through. And every time we'd stop, you could hear the trees falling um, up up on the hillsides. You could hear the trees snapping off and coming down. It was uh, it was a pretty uh, exciting time for a young kid. You know, you don't think about the dangers necessarily that were along with it. Although I'm sure mom and dad were, but we all just thought it was really cool. <laughs> <laughs> now, now this is uh, during the storm, right? That that you were leaving. Yes. Yep. Yes, it was during the storm. We drove down to my uh, aunt and uncle's house. They lived down uh, on Ocean Beach Highway in about the 2600 block. And um, so it was uh, that there were far fewer trees and it was a lot safer there. And we ended up staying, uh, staying the night there. You know, I think the post storm things that I remember, um, well, that I remember really well. I remember just there were limbs and trees, and uh, we. I remember driving around a day or two later uh, and looking at some of the damages and and such that were there, but um, at various places. But you know, just as I was thinking about talking about this this morning, one of the things that sort of jumped out, stood out in my mind was. It wasn't city crews or county crews uh, that you know that were out doing all of the cleanup. It was it was neighbors. It was uh, people in the people in the community. I mean, somebody would they grab their their chainsaw, their wheelbarrow, their uh, pickup truck, their whatever, and they were out um, picking up, cleaning up, just just trying to help everybody else get through this time. And, you know, I think we still see that kind of stuff to this day. We certainly see it in, you know, large storms in other areas of the, the country, but, um, you know, where, where people just, they, they step up and they, and they help other people. Thank you. And, uh, we appreciate you sharing. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for calling. Next on the phone, we have Verl Parrott-Anderson with us. Uh, Verl, uh, welcome to the show. Good morning, Larry and Joseph. How are you doing today? We're doing great. Um, would you kind of set this up with uh, where you were, who you were with as the storm came? I was with my parents um, in my house. And um, like we kind of talked about, we didn't have the means to know ahead of time what was really going to happen. We kind of heard there was a storm coming. We didn't know how severe it was or, or much about it at all. You know, we always had flashlights in our house ready to use just in case the power went out. And um, I grew up in South Kelso. Um, and we had a remodeled two-story house and lots of older houses around us. We were just kind of sitting there and all of a sudden things started getting worse. I remember my mom and dad turning on the radio. My dad says, I think we, we better hunker down here. And I remember him calling the neighbors to find out. And then we lost our phone connections. Of course, there was no cell phones then. Evidently, the neighbors caught wind or something, and everybody started talking just among the neighborhood. And we had an elderly couple next to us. And my parents were always worried about them because their children didn't. They lived in town, but not real close by. My dad said, we should probably get away from the windows. The storm, the wind's really picking up. So 
we went, we had a two story house, like I said. So we went kind of underneath, uh, away from the windows into the center of the house. And we did have some flashlights and then boom, we lost our power. After the storm, my elderly neighbors lost their power. Excuse me. I'm sorry. A tree went through our house, uh, through their house. And, um, they were without power for a long time and the PUD couldn't get their power on right away. It was different times than it is now. So the PUD asked my parents if they could hook their power up to our house. And so I remember this as a, as a young, as a young person that I thought it was really amazing that they could hook their electricity up to us and we, they had power. So everything was okay with us. Basically we didn't have any real damage, but the neighbors did. So what do you remember about, you know, other than the trees through their house, do you remember things around the neighborhood at all? Yeah, things were blowing. We didn't have a tree right directly. We had one in our backyard and it fell over, but it didn't do any damage. But the wind was really scary. I had never experienced wind like that before. So I remember that and being scared of the wind. <laughs> and then the power being out for such a long time. I think we were out, I think we were out a couple days, but the neighbors next door were out a lot longer. Well, I appreciate your time, and thank you for sharing with us today. Okay, thanks, Larry. Bye-bye. All right, we're on the phone now with Jana Stewart-Clark. Jana, thanks for joining us this morning. When we talked earlier, you said you had uh, a memory or memories of uh, the Columbus Day storm. Do you want to go ahead and give us a little background, what, where you were and who you were with, and what do you remember? Sure. Well, you know, of course, I was in Kelso. We lived on Holcomb Acres in the north end of town. And being four years old at the time, I don't know if these are my true memories or if it is stories I've heard from older siblings and family for years. We had a Cocker Spaniel dog that was put in our our back porch each evening. And I don't remember about the preparation too much, but she went in in the back porch every night. And that particular night, because of the storm, She was so scared, she scratched through the wall of the house and came in and and got in bed with, I think, one of my siblings. And I just have heard that story so many times. And (laughs) I remember being without power for several weeks. We had a lot of trees around our house at that time. And our power was out when we had neighbors that had power. So the lone house that was without power waited for the houses that they could restore power to to many at a time. And, you know, I don't really remember that much about it or being that upset with it. To this day, um, we had a trash burner wood stove in our kitchen that we used for heat. And that's what my mother cooked on. And she made potato soup because it was easy and readily available. And I still, to this day, don't eat potato soup. (laughs) I tell everybody I don't like potato soup. Put clams in it and I'll eat clam chowder. Well, Janet, thank you for sharing. We really appreciate it. And uh, you have a great day. And we'll talk to you You soon. You too. All right. Thanks. Thanks, Bye-bye. Next on the phone, we have Lita Guglamo-Meyer with us. Hi, Lita. How are you doing today? Hi, Larry. I'm doing well. And I'm here with Joseph Gavednik with the Cowlitz County Museum. Thanks for sharing today. Uh, when we talked earlier, you had a little bit of a different perspective of the storm than than most people I talked to because you were out of town. Absolutely. So my dad was Monty Guglamo, and he taught at Kelso High School. 
my brother Tom was a senior in high school in 1962 and was on the football team. He was a running back and he was uh, their punter. My dad used to coach, but at that time, he was doing all the filming for Otto Kofler. So I was five years old. I remember that we were in Aberdeen at the football game, the Kelso-Aberdeen football game. And my brother Tim, who was in seventh grade, was also with us. During the game, I can vividly remember, again, I was five years old, but these are memories that have been ingrained in my brain because of, I think, just the, the tra- kind of the, the trauma of what happened. And um, my brother, Tom, punted the ball. The wind was blowing so hard that it went probably 30 yards behind him. And, and you know, you're, you just you look at it, and I can still see that ball floating. And I do remember, you know, it was windy, but it wasn't, it wasn't until that point, I think, as, as in my brain went, wow, this is, this is really something. I, I don't know the, the time frame of the, from the punt, but the lights went out. At that time in the 60s, uh, and I, I know that my mom was a smoker at that time. Uh, I'm not sure if my dad was, but pretty much everybody smoked. They all had cigarette lighters. So it went dark and everybody turned on their cigarette lighters in the stadium. And I could just see the glow, kind of like people do now with their cell phones, you know, at <laughs> concerts. Only it was only it was a lighter. So the next thing that I do remember is, and I did call my brother Tim. He doesn't have the same memories of, of me. He knew the game was canceled, but you know, when the lights go out, obviously you're not playing. Um, he's in, and I remember when we drove home, there were trees all over the road and the, the road from Aberdeen to Kelso, uh, at that time was pretty sure two laner all the way. And I remember that my dad had to stop many, many times with other cars to clear the road to somehow get around the trees that were down. My brother Tim did add that we followed the school bus. So the boys on the football team also helped clear the road in order for us to get home. Many years later, I my dad passed in 93. So, but it was after my dad passed, I had a conversation with my mom kind of about that situation and and I said, you know, how long did it take us to get home? And she said it took us over six hours to go from Aberdeen to Kelso to come home. Oh, wow. Um, that's really my memory. I, I don't remember much after getting home anything uh, in regards to the situation in Kelso with the wind or, or anything like that. But, but being at the football game, that's something that we just did as a family. It was, it was, it was something, Larry. It was really something. Yeah, and, and when you talk about the sports, I neglected to mention Hall of Famer uh, Lita Meyer. Yes. <laughs> so well, thank Lita, you. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate uh, you taking the time this morning, and um, thanks for contributing. You bet. Okay, have a great day. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Next we have on the line, Debbie Fredericks. Good morning, Debbie. How are you? Good morning. I'm well, thank you. So, Debbie, when we talked earlier, you said you had some memories of the Columbus Day Storm, and uh, we'd love to hear about them. Absolutely. It was very impressionable at age seven. I lived in Kelso, up 
in East Kelso next to East Hills Alliance Church, for those of you that are familiar with that. At that point in time, at seven years old, I had been playing in the canyon a lot behind our home, had no clue that there was property up on the other side of the canyon because there were so many trees in the canyon. This was during the storm or this has just always had so many trees? Yeah, this was just always. This was growing up, playing in the canyon and um, the siblings and, and all the neighborhood kids. And the park as well, across the street. Um, I think it's now the Rotary Park. And you couldn't see anything beyond those trees. There were just so many of these humongous trees. I do remember that our dogs got really agitated prior to it. And then the wind started up. Animals typically are the first to know um, something bad's going to happen. Right, and they did. (laughs) You were at your home, and what do you remember about the storm? Well, I remember standing at the windows watching the wind blow, and um, my mom was getting more nervous. Of course, at seven, you know, you don't pick up too much on that. And we were standing watching out front, and we had this huge tree right next to the driveway. I don't know what kind it was. We called it the elephant ear tree because it had humongous leaves that we made into hats and things. Anyway, um, I remember seeing my dad pull into the driveway and start to open his door And this tree, his door was right next to this tree, his car door, and the tree fell. It fell in the opposite direction, thankfully, but it fell. And that was just amazing for us to see that tree, that huge, huge, it was a big, tall tree, um, fall over like that. Unfortunately, it fell in the opposite direction, and he made it in the house okay. I also remember that once it got in the worst part of the storm, we went onto the stairway the house shook every time one of these humongous trees fell. The house shook. It felt like the house was going to fall apart. It shook so hard. I don't know how many of those trees fell, but I can tell you that I could then see once once it was all over, I could see that there was property across the canyon. Um, we had so many trees down um, in our backyard. We lost fruit trees. The park across the street, um, it looked like Lincoln Logs, like somebody had taken the the trees and stacked them awkwardly, like Lincoln Logs. I also remember all the neighborhood kids wanted to go over and play in all those fallen trees, and our parents were not really with us on that one. (laughs) Another big change that happened was um, we used to spend a lot of time in the canyon because there's that beautiful creek in the bottom and all kinds of things to explore. We were no longer allowed to play in the canyon because uh, the trees were t- brought up by the root wads, and there were these big holes there that um, were from the side of the canyon clear down in. That ended our time playing in that cool canyon. Uh, so do you remember uh, losing power at all? Or Oh, yeah. 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 So- I, I couldn't tell you how long, but yes, I remember losing power. Uh. It was just so, such a huge event, you know, and, and so frightening for for us kids because we'd never been through something like that before. Right. We really appreciate you sharing with us today and uh, thank you very much and I'll talk to you soon. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. So Joseph, listening to all of these people, um, several things have come to my mind um, about this historical look back. Uh, first is, the obviously, the weather service has improved um, and uh, uh, their ability to predict things has technolog- technologically has advanced so much. However, there's always going to be that human component. 
unlike the Columbus Day storm, where they had an idea. However, as I understand it, this weather pattern, much like the recent hurricane, was on a trajectory that all of a sudden made a shift. And they knew it was kind of headed this direction, but they no way expected the the hit that we received, much like with Hurricane Ian. No matter how accurate our weather is, there's always a a margin of error. And uh, it's more accurate than it was 60 years ago. But as these stories from people who've lived through it can attest that that align with the printed uh, record of history in newspapers and books that we have to reference, it it happened very suddenly and they didn't expect it to be nearly as bad. Um, One of our uh, uh, guests that was talking to us or talking uh, earlier uh, was talking about how it was a, um, we knew a storm was coming, but we didn't know how severe it would be. And um, that's the thing is uh, you hear about these different incidences, uh, whether it's a hurricane or a tornado or anything. Uh, sometimes you know it's coming, but not to the the level of um, intensity that it may, might become. Yeah, and you know the the situations where people were at home, people were away from home, and all of those different things just kind of brought home to me the importance of having preparedness kits uh, in your vehicle, in your home, at work, you know wherever it may be. Um, I lead a story about using the cigarette lighters to light the the way so people could see to get out of the stadium uh, really impressed me and, and it made me think about glow sticks you know pretty cheap little item that uh, very valuable when it gets dark outside uh, or flashlights um, I wonder how much food was lost during that time when power was out in refrigerators or what did they do up, up at this latitude too that that we're at winter time the dead of winter we're about two-thirds dark and one-third light and this is when most likely a, a severe weather uh, situation would happen where we would lose power so we're dark most of the time light is very essential to keep like you said glow sticks or flashlights maintaining those flashlights too checking them annually make sure the batteries haven't started to corrode or go bad Uh, it's just something that we have to keep ingrained in our mind at all times that uh, these events will likely happen when it's dark i have a feeling more more likely than not because of just the nature of where we are on on the earth yeah and and another important thing to, to understand, I, I've had about 40, maybe 60 hours of classes on predicting the weather um, back to the days when I was in the fire service. And the Pacific Northwest, and especially right here where we're at in Longview, Kelso, in Cowlitz County, we have so many geographical features that impact the weather. Uh, we've got the Columbia River, we've got the Willapa Hills, we've got the Cascades, we've got, uh, we're impacted by the uh, um, area from Portland East up the Columbia River. You know, there's there's just so many nuances to this weather that it, to say that you should prepare when an, when an event is coming, 
would be totally wrong because these things are difficult at best to predict. And so they do their best and, and they're human. But then on the other side of it is our human effort. We have a lot of us that tend to think, eh, they said this last month, it's not going to happen. They said it five times, it's not going to happen. You know, whatever it may be. And we know from historical perspective, events will happen. And it's those that are prepared that tend to be more successful. And, and also with preparedness, being prepared, not just at home, but probably at work as well. Because, for example, I cross a bridge every day when I go to work. And a lot of people cross a bridge. If you live in Kelso and you work in Longview or you live in Longview and go to Kelso, you're crossing a bridge. So you might be separated from family if that bridge is knocked out. You may have to drive um, a considerable amount uh, further north to cross uh, the river where it might be crossable. But then again, if it takes um, six hours to get from Aberdeen to Kelso with a bunch of trees all over the road, as Lita was talking about earlier, uh, you, you could be in for a long haul. I, I remember during the Loma Prieta earthquake, my father was in South San Francisco and our house was on the East Bay. You didn't cross the bridge because it was already knocked out. He had to go all the way down and around the bay through San Jose through the grids of stoplights that were no longer operating. So everything was, you know, and everyone else is trying to do the same thing. So it's the mother of all traffic jams. Wow. You know, and so I guess for us, um, this will wrap up today. Um, we, uh, we appreciate you following us and we look forward to you joining us next time here on PNF, uh, where we talk about the past, what's happening now, and what we can do for the future. Thanks. For